So situations and relations. Or let me just say this. Situations and relationships. Uh, two things that are outside of your control. And you get that. Because you can't control your situation and you can't control your relationships. Now you wish you could. But we have influence in them. But we have to recognize we have no control over them. And see, it's situations and relationships. It's these two. See, the situations and relationships are the two areas where you experience worry and fear. The two areas where we experience this worry and fear. It's in situations and relationships where we experience uncertainty, isn't it? Uh, Uncertainty in our circumstances. Uncertainty in a relationship. And that's what causes us to worry about that situation. That's what causes us to worry about that relationship. And, And we fear. We're afraid and we're scared. Now, what causes that worry and what causes that fear? Well, it's because something is missing. Peace is missing. We don't have peace. See, worry and fear are the absence of peace. Worry and fear is what fills the vacuum when peace isn't there. And maybe that's the status of your life right now. Maybe that's what's going on in your mind is your mind's got all this worry and it's all this fear and you're scared and uncertainty is overwhelming you in all of this. And that's your status because peace isn't there. You don't have peace. Maybe that's your status. You know what? This is the status of the world right now. And it's driving the world to look for peace and, and to find peace. See, worry and, and the world is worried and afraid because they don't have peace. Anxiety and depression are at all-time highs. And, and it's a small representation. Just anxiety and depression alone is a small representation of our world not being at peace or having peace. I mean, the state of Kansas alone, you might not have even, even known this. The state of Kansas is ranking dead last in all the states, is ranking dead last in America for mental health. This is in our backyard. This might be even in your home or even with you. We need peace. The absence of peace is the outcome of the brokenness that has been caused by the curse of sin. And we crave this peace so desperately and we do all we can to acquire peace. That's why we try to take control over the things we can take control because we want to have peace in that situation. But the reality is all of our efforts are futile to find peace outside of Christ. And this is why the kingdom of God is such good news for a world that is not at peace, for a world that doesn't have peace. And the kingdom of God is good news for you in your situation and in your relationship that is not at peace. And more on that in a moment. My name is Casey, and I am so grateful to share this time together with you. Uh, For those of you who are new with us uh, in the room, uh, we're so grateful that you're here and we get to share this time. We have a gift for you, and right after today's service, will you uh, go right through our lobby to the room on the other side of the lobby? That's our welcome center. There, a host uh, will meet you, and we'd love to give you a gift for being with us. And in that time together, in less than four minutes, we want to share with you quickly four things about who we are as a church family. Uh, Also, 
also, if you're new with us online, we have a gift for you. Uh, they are posting a link to a Connect card. Click that link, fill out that form, and we'd love to send you a gift for being with us today. And so Westside, right now, we have so many people that are watching online, and we have many that are new in the room. Will you let them know how grateful we are to share this time with them? Will you help me do that? Yeah. Yeah. So the kingdom of God is good news. This is the message Jesus came to this earth to proclaim to a world that needed to hear good news. The way that God runs his kingdom, the way that God runs his government, the way that God runs things and operates is good news for all who are in God's kingdom. And the kingdom of God is good news for you. And it's good news for me. And it's good news in our relationships and in our situations. See, the kingdom of God is good news for the world that is caught, that we all caught. See, it's good news for this whole world that is caught in this broken cycle of sin that causes us to experience worry and fear. And it's such good news that, that, that Jesus came to preach about, the disciples preached about it, and Paul, the apostle, uh, the, the, he wrote about this kingdom, and he wrote about the kingdom of God being good news like this. He would say the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That, that you can have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the outcome of God's rule in his reign. This is when, when God runs the kingdom, this is what is established. Righteousness, peace, and joy. This is what people experience. See, the people in this kingdom receive this, and they're called to advance this righteousness, peace, and joy. And that's the big idea of the series. See, we receive and we advance the unshakable kingdom of God's righteousness, peace, and and joy. Now, in part one last week, we talked about how we stand in Christ's righteousness, which we, we receive through Christ Jesus, that you are right with God. You receive this, and you stand in his righteousness. And because you stand in Christ's righteousness, it gives you the strength and courage now to advance the kingdom of God by living rightly and doing what is just. And today, we're going to talk about the good news of peace, of the peace of God's unshakable kingdom and just as we receive god's righteousness and christ's righteousness and we live out that righteously and do it by doing what is just and right we receive god's peace and we live out god's peace and we pursue god's peace now here's the good news about the peace of the kingdom of god see the peace of the kingdom of god is both situational and relational in God's kingdom, you can experience his peace, the peace of his kingdom, in any situation that you are in and in any relationship that you have. You can experience God's peace in it all. Now, this doesn't mean that that circumstance is going to work out the way you want it to work out. That's not what we're talking about here. And it doesn't mean that the relationship is restored to the extent that you want it to be restored or reconciled. It doesn't mean that at all. It does mean, though, that you can experience and be in God's peace and have God's peace regardless of what you face and regardless of the status of that relationship. Even when there's no peace between the two of you, you can have peace in that relationship for you. See, peace is a major theme all the way throughout Scripture. 
And, and, and God would reveal himself as a God of peace. And this was what scripture revealed, that God was revealing himself to the nation of Israel in the, in the Old Testament, which is the Hebrew scriptures that we have. The, God was revealing himself as a God of peace. And in the Old Testament, peace or the shalom of God was mentioned over 350 times. See, this is a major idea of the way God operates in his kingdom. And see, God so much wanted Israel to know this, that God would tell Moses to tell Aaron, who was the priest, the first priest that Israel had had, that Moses put over the nation of Israel through the covenant. And this was the blessing that God would give the nation of Israel that God told Aaron to speak over them. He would tell them, and he said, may the Lord's face, may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. See, peace was part of God's covenant with Israel. And then peace was part of the Messiah's mission. The Messiah was the anointed one who would come to deliver Israel and restore peace for Israel. And listen to what God tells Isaiah to tell the nation of Israel before they go into exile. This is before Israel would be exiled. And, and, and this is the good news. He's warning them. So the book of Isaiah is really a book of, of warnings saying, turn to God. Don't abandon God. Don't, don't turn your back on him. Because if you do, God will send you to exile. But return to him. And in all of that, Isaiah mentions... And he gives them some good news, though, because he knows that the nation of Israel is going to turn their back on God. But God's going to send a deliverer, a Messiah. And in, and in chapter 9, of verse six, in, in verses 6 and 7, hundreds of years before Jesus comes to this earth, Isaiah prophesies this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Think about that. The government will be on his shoulders. They didn't understand what this good news would mean because they didn't know what the government of the Assyrians was going to do to them or the government of Babylon was going to do to them or the government of Rome was going to do to them. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Governments will rise. Kingdoms will fall. But his will have no end. His kingdom brings his peace of his kingdom. And of his peace of his kingdom, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord Almighty. See how Isaiah describes the Messiah's peace and government as unshakable? Of Jesus' government and peace, there will be no end. Nothing will stop it. Nothing will destroy it. You know... Only being submitted to God's authority will give you an unshakable and unbreakable peace. We need to remember this. See, God's kingdom is God's authority that is carried out through his righteousness, carried out through his justice. And that's why his kingdom is peace. 
because his justice and his righteousness reign. And when we are submitted to God as Lord of our life and Jesus as Lord of our life, we experience the peace of his reign in our life. God is our source of peace and only he can give us peace when we are submitted to Jesus as our Lord. See, we haven't accomplished this on our own effort. We can't do that. All of our efforts to gain peace on our own are futile. See, only God could do this through Christ Jesus' work. See, unshakable peace comes only through Jesus' work to bring you and I into the kingdom of God. Jesus is that child. Jesus is the child that is born to the world to be the prince of peace and to restore peace by taking authority over sin, taking authority over death, taking authority over Satan and breaking the curse of sin on all who would trust in him as Savior and submit and confess him as Lord. Because of Christ's work, we can have peace with God by having forgiveness from God. That is what the Messiah came to do for you, to bring peace in your relationship with God. See, Jesus confronted our sin and paid for our sin to forgive us of all our sin and to give us peace with God. Let me say that again. Jesus confronted our sin and paid for our sin to forgive us of all our sin. And give you peace with God. See, Jesus waged war on sin to wage peace for you. To give you peace by offering you the forgiveness of your sins. That's how badly Jesus wants you to have peace. Think about this. It's the extent that God went for you to have peace with him. Jesus was willing to die for a humanity to have peace with God when humanity, including you, was an enemy of God. See, because every one of us want to be the king of our own little kingdom, or because every one of us at one time, we didn't want God or we wanted anything or anyone other than God to be the king of our kingdom. That made every one of us an enemy of God. Because we don't want his control over us. We want to have control over us. Or we will allow anything or anyone else to have control other than God of our life. And think about this. That made you an enemy of God. And think about this. God was willing and still willing to die for you. To send Jesus to die for you. To bring you peace with God and give you life in this kingdom. The only way that you can have peace with God is that Jesus would take upon himself the punishment of our sin against God and then extend to us forgiveness of our sin and justify us, making us just as if we never sinned. That is giving us his righteousness, making us right with God. This is the gift that God gives you and you cannot earn for yourself. You can't gain that relationship back with God. He made peace. He waged peace for you. And the only thing you have to do, the only thing you can do, the only thing that you are able to do in this moment is to receive it or reject it. And we receive this as a gift by trusting in him. And that economy doesn't make sense. See, 
you don't have to earn it. You just have to receive it. The Apostle Paul would clarify this in Romans 6, chapter 23. He would say, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And before Paul would share that, he would tell us how we receive this gift of eternal life. In chapter 5 of verse 1, verse 1 of chapter 5, Paul would write this to the Roman church. He would say, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Since you are right with God, not on your own effort, but with through Christ's effort, because you stand in his righteousness, because of what Christ did for you, you are justified. You are right with God. And now because you're right with God, you have a peace with God through, not you, through our Lord and Savior, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Let me say this. See, you cannot have peace if you're not trusting Jesus' work as Savior and submitting to Jesus as Lord. You can't have peace with God. And you can't have peace in your life without trusting him as your savior and submitting to him as your Lord. There, God gives us through Christ's work and trusting in his work, he gives us relational peace with God. Do you see that? We have relational peace with God. And that gives us situational, the situational peace of God no matter what we face. And this is what Paul would say here. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. All of this is available to you to receive because of the Prince of Peace who came to offer you peace and wage peace so you could have peace with God. This is God's kingdom that you can receive. This is God's kingdom that you can, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you can have peace with God. And you see now both the situational and the relational nature of that God's peace is for us and that God gives us. See, you can have peace and God's peace in any unfortunate circumstance. See, because you have peace with God, you can have the peace of God in every hardship. Because you have peace with God, you can have the peace of God in every trouble. And, and this is not just some feeling that you have. This is a deep certainty. This is a deep faith, a deep trust. It's, a, it's, it's this core belief that, that we know and we're certain of. It was the core confidence that Moses would have when God would tell him to take and lead the nation of Israel away from Egypt. And God would look at, Moses would tell God, hey, I'm not going anywhere unless you go with us. Because my confidence isn't in me. My confidence isn't in the circumstance. My confidence is in that you are with me. It was the confidence that Gideon had when he would call the altar God of peace. After God would tell him to take on the large army with only 300 men. It was that confidence that he would have, that God would be with them. It was the faith in God as the commander of the angels' armies. 
that David would have as he would stand before Goliath. Because God was with him. It was this boldness that the Hebrew boys, these three Hebrew boys, would have this unshakable faith that they would have when facing this furnace. And the appearance of a fourth man looking like the Son of God would appear in that fire with them. That's the certainty that God wants you to have, the peace that you can have no matter the circumstance that you face. Because you have peace with God, the God of peace will always, always, always be with you. This is the message that the scripture that we have so beautifully given to us shows us that we can have peace and not have to, we don't have to fear or worry any hardship when God is with us. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go because our trust is in God. See, we have the peace of God because we have the God of peace always with us. And that is good news. And the reason I believe this is because of the resurrection of Jesus. Because of Jesus' resurrection, I believe every word Jesus said is true. There's a time Jesus was with his disciples and he tells his disciples it's in John chapter 13 and, and 14, in the beginning of 14, he says, I'm going to leave you. And, um, and this worried and it scared the disciples. They were like, what? You're going to leave us? Je- and, and, and Jesus, you're saying you're going to leave us? Um, I, I don't know about that. You know, after all, Jesus was the one who was with the disciples when they were in the middle of the storm and Jesus spoke peace to that storm. You remember that? It, it, was, it was Jesus who was with them. See, Jesus spoke to the demoniac whenever they were afraid of the demoniac. Jesus was the one who spoke peace to the sickness when they were uncertain of what to do with the people who were coming to them who were sick. It was Jesus who spoke peace to the outcast when they didn't know how to treat the outcast. Jesus was always present with them. See, Jesus, he, he invited, he would always be present with them. He was always there with them, available to them as, since the invitation to follow him. See, as long as they would follow him, he was with them. And in this, he, you're leaving us? The disciples were like, um, Jesus, uh, we were not afraid or worried in those moments because you were always there with us. And now you're leaving us? And then Jesus assures them by reminding them that the Spirit of God will be given to them and that he will never abandon them or forsake them. John records this conversation. But the advocate, Jesus would tell them, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I know you're worried. I know you're scared. But let me displace that worry and that fear by giving you my peace. Because where peace is present, worry and fear are absent. But where peace is absent, worry and fear will be present. 
And my peace I give you. And I don't give to you as the world gives. Think about these words. I mean, Jesus' words that are truth. Think about this. I don't give you peace as the world gives. I don't give this to you as the world gives. See, what the world gives is the world offers you something. The world offers you a way or false peace. The world offers you broken solutions to peace that will never bring you true peace. And what Jesus says, what I offer to you is true peace. Because it comes the only way that true peace comes. See, the world will offer you peace, but it can't pay for your peace. Only I can pay the penalty or the price for you to have peace. We need to remember that. The world thinks that there's, peace can come another way. Jesus said peace can only come one way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he would tell them, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, you don't have to worry because you have the God of peace always with you. The Holy Spirit is always with you and so fear and worry don't have to be a part of you. Jesus would continue to teach them. He would tell them, remain in me. As I remain in my Father, remain in me. And Jesus would reassure reassure them that the Holy Spirit will be with them. And then Jesus would tell them this in John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. That only in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Have courage. I have overcome the world. See, when you are in Christ, you are unshakable. And in Christ, you have an unshakable peace because Jesus has overcome the world. He is the one who gives you this gift of peace with God. And you now have peace with God in your relationship with Him. And now you can have a peace no matter what you face in the circumstances or the troubles of this world. See, peace comes from the assurance that God is with us as we are in Christ. It comes from this deep certainty that God is always with me as I am in Christ. God is always with me. When I am in Christ, God is always with me. This is good news, that no matter what you face, God is with you. That no matter what circumstance comes your way, God is with you. That no matter what trouble or tribulation, no matter what trial or temptation, God is always present with you. This is the good news of the kingdom of God. This is what we receive because Christ is king. And this is good news for everyone. But there's also a responsibility. See, when we receive something, there's a responsibility that we now have because we have received peace with God. We are now to live that peace out. See, Jesus made peace with us and he calls us to be peacemakers. To receive peace is to become a peacemaker. And this is what Jesus would say about peacemakers. He would say, blessed or happy, that's another way to say this, blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. An identifying mark of the children of God is they're peacemakers. 
For you to be a part of God's family, for you to be a part of this kingdom family means that we are all who are a part of this kingdom of family, who are children of God. We are all peacemakers. And here's today's teaching big idea that I want to leave you with. And I hope that you just don't look at this or just, yeah, that makes sense. I get that. I hope this becomes a, a, a marching order for you. I hope this becomes something that's always on the front of your mind and when you're in a difficult situation. I hope this becomes that moment that when you're in that relational uncertainty or there's a little discord that you can have this calling on your life. I hope this becomes a prayer, a daily prayer for you. And this is the teaching big idea that I hope you leave with today. Because I have peace with God, I trust that the God of peace is always with me no matter what I face and that I am a peacemaker. Because God is with you. Because you have peace with God, you know and you trust and you have this deep certainty that God is always with you no matter the situation you're in. No matter what the phone call is. No matter what the news you receive is, no matter what happens to you or what they do to you or what they say about you, that you are, that the God of peace is there with you. When nobody else is around, when you feel like you've been abandoned, you have the God of peace with you. And no matter what the circumstances in your relationship, you are a peacemaker. This has been my daily prayer for over 18 months now. This is how I've been praying it. I've been praying this over myself. I've been praying this over my wife. I've been praying this over my kids. And many times, often every week, there are times I'm praying this over our church family. I trust that the God of peace is always with me no matter what I face today. And may I be a peacemaker. May you trust that the God of peace is always with you no matter what you face today. And may you be a peacemaker. Can you imagine the confidence you would have if you woke up tomorrow morning and you say, God, I trust that the God of peace is with me no matter what I face today. That no matter what the circumstances, I know that that meeting I've got to go to, I have a feeling what they're going to say today. But I trust that you're with me. I have this deep confidence that you're there. Or you go into that relationship you go into that phone call and you know that your calling is to be a peacemaker. Can you, can you imagine that with me? How, what a difference that would make if just we began to live this way as a church family. Can you imagine the difference that you would experience in your life that you would just trust God no matter what you face and then live that out as a peacemaker in this world? Now, peacemakers, let me just talk about this for a second. Peacemakers are different than peacekeepers. And when I say peacekeepers, I'm not talking about the keep peacekeepers that, that, that our military sends out whenever they're you know, setting up or restoring order in an area. We're not talking about this. We're talking about the difference. See, peacekeepers is, is, are passive. This is what I mean by peacekeepers. Peacekeepers are, are passive who just want to keep the peace. They just want to keep the peace in the family. They're the, they're the, the people. We're going to sweep everything under the rug and just keep the peace. That's different than being a peacemaker. See, peacemakers are active. Peacekeepers are reactive. Peacemakers are proactive. Peacekeepers avoid conflict. Peacemakers see their responsibility and take ownership in conflict. 
Peacekeepers keep peace within their own castle. And you need to understand this part. See, peacekeepers are only worried about their own little castle. But peacemakers wage peace for God's kingdom. See, peacekeepers are only worried about peace in their own little sphere that they touch. But peacemakers wage war or wage peace, more specifically, for the kingdom of God. See, peacemakers hold people accountable to the peace that God has given to us through Christ Jesus' work and that he has waged peace with us and that we are accountable to wage peace with others in the same way that God made peace through us, that we are to do this with one another the way Christ has done for us. This would be the law of the kingdom of God. This would be what, what um, the, 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 the Christ's law, the law of Christ as Paul when some of the apostles would clarify that we are to love one another the way God through Christ has loved you. That you wage peace by forgiving one another the way God through Christ has forgiven you. That you bear one another's burdens the way God through Christ bore your burdens. That you accept one another the way God through Christ has accepted you. That you also, that you, that you do for each other in all others in the same manner the way God through Christ has done for you. That the way King Jesus has treated you in his kingdom is how you are to treat each other. And all others. Because he's king. See the way your king brings you peace. Is how you are to wage peace. With others. This is how the apostle Paul would say it to the church in Thessalonica. In Thessalonica here. He would say. Live in peace with each other. Be a peacemaker. And we urge you. He would continue to write. Brothers and sisters. People a part of this kingdom family of God. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Be a peacemaker. See, peacemakers warn those who are passive and idle. Peacemakers warn those who are disrupting peace with others. He would go on, encourage the disheartened. Be a peacemaker and add courage to those who have lost hope. Help the weak. Be a peacemaker for those who cannot defend themselves, stand up for themselves, or help themselves. Be patient with everyone. Be a peacemaker and diffuse that bomb of anger. Because that's what patience is, is being slow to anger. Be a peacemaker. Be patient with everyone. And then make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Be a peacemaker. After all, aren't you glad that God did not pay you back for all the wrongs that you've done against God? Be a peacemaker. And always strive, but always strive, hands, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. You know, peacekeepers are worried are only about themselves. See, peacekeepers only worry about what is good for them. Peacemakers do what is good for the others and all others. Paul was telling this church, the kingdom of God, It's about being peacemakers. See, peacemakers do this. Peacemakers appeal to others to live in response to the gospel of the kingdom of God. 
This is why we confront each other. We confront each other with the good news of the gospel, this gospel of the kingdom of God, that this is how, what God has done for you. And we appeal to others to do what Christ has done for them. Hey, in your situation, you're not doing what Christ has done for you. You're not speaking to them in the way Christ has spoken to you. You're not doing what God, through Christ, has done for you. We appeal. This is where our, our, our admonishments come. This is where this comes. It comes from God's work for us, and we appeal. This is how we wage peace. This is what we do. This is how the kingdom of God operates. This is how we advance the kingdom of God. An appeal to what God has done for us. And then to the Roman church, Paul would write this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, similar to what he said to the church in Thessalonica. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And then verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Not as far as it depends on you, live with peace Live at peace with the one who admits their piece of the pie. Not just the one that admits, hey, their piece of the wrongdoing. As far as it depends upon you, you live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with your ex. Live at peace with your boss. As far as it depends upon you, live at peace with your neighbor. Live at peace with your in-laws. Live at peace with the one who's spreading those rumors around about you. And sending those messages out about as far as it depends on you. This is not what you're going to do. You're not going to return wrong for wrong. You're going to treat them the way God through Christ has treated you. You're going to wage peace. See, when you're involved in the circumstance, when you are directly involved and it affects you in that relationship, you go as far as it depends on you to build that bridge of peace just like God through Christ did for you. See, the peacemaker's motto is this, as far as it depends on me, I will make peace with you. I know in that circumstance, I want you to know I said some things. And you're not going to go, well, and if you wouldn't have said this, I would have, no, 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 no. You're going to own your piece of the pie. Because that's what people who go as far as it depends on us. I take responsibility for what I did. See, when it directly involves me, I take responsibility for my peace. I said some things I shouldn't have said. I did something and that was out of line. I'm not, you don't bring up what they did that caused that. No, 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 you just take responsibility. And as far as it depends upon you, you're going to build that bridge back. Doesn't mean they're going to build their end of the bridge back. Doesn't mean they're going to walk on that steps that you built. No, but as far as it depends upon you, because of what God did through Christ for me, I'm going to offer you forgiveness and I'm going to restore that as much as I can. Now, does this mean relationships will be reconciled? Does it mean that it will be the same? No, 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 no. It doesn't mean that at all. But as far as it depends upon me, I will own my piece of the pie. And when I am not directly involved and I see in where peace needs to be had with others, I'm going to appeal to those to see Christ's law, to love one another, to challenge one another and appeal 
to what God through Christ has done for them. Because this is how the kingdom of God advances. Think about a community. Think about a world. This is good news for the world that is not at peace. This is good news for you. This is good news for your marriage. This is good news for your family. This is good news for those relationships in your neighborhood. This is good news for your office. This is good news for the world at large. The kingdom of God. Under the king is the prince of peace who came to give you a peace. And maybe you're going through a circumstance today. And that circumstance is difficult. And you, you go, I don't know if I have peace in that. I want to read you this verse. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4, it says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. Your God is unshakable. His kingdom is unshakable. And the peace he gives to you is unshakable. And he has called you to be a peacemaker. So I want to end today in prayer. And we're going to pray with one another. Children, kids in the room, we want you to pray. And this is what I'd love for you to do. I'm going to, will you go ahead and stand with me right now? And this is what I ask. Will you, um, you're going to look at a couple people. And this I want you to just tell the other person. I, just identify, is this a situation or is there a relationship that you're not at peace? Maybe it's both. And this, you're just going to just identify. You don't have to identify the details. You just say, you know, there's a situation or there's a relationship. Or I'm not at peace. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray for each other. After that person prays for you, you pray for that person. And this is the prayer I want you to pray. Father, give my friend a peace as they trust that you are always with them no matter what they face. And may he or she be a peacemaker. Will you begin to pray that over one another? But first can say, hey, it's a relationship or it's a situation. Just identify. Which one are you not at peace? Or maybe it's both. Will you go ahead and do that? And then we're going to sing and respond and worship as we end today's service.